Welcome to See More, a podcast about movies and TV. I'm Juan Gonzalez, and today we'll be talking about a very special show called Cheers. If you aren't familiar with the show, Cheers is about an alcoholic bar owner, ex-Boston Red Sox pitcher, and professional womanizer Sam Malone, and the shenanigans that occur at his bar with a very funny set of supporting characters, some of them his co-workers and some of them just regulars at the bar. The show was created by James Burroughs, Glenn Charles, and Les Charles. It ran from 1982 to 1993 and has either won or has been nominated for a variety of different awards, including 13 Emmy Award nominations for its first season alone, the most nominations a comedy series has ever received at the time, so that's pretty wild. And the show actually went on to receive a total of 179 Primetime Emmy nominations, winning a total of 28 over the course of its 11 seasons. So Ted Danson plays Sam Malone, and while his incredible hand mannerisms may appear to be the most important character on the show, the bar that he owns immediately takes the spotlight. The location for multicam live audience sitcoms are usually a character of their own, and the bar is one of the greatest sets in all of TV history. If you haven't watched Cheers, all 275 episodes are now on Netflix, so be sure to check that out. Let's get right into the conversation, and as always, no spoilers. Welcome to the show, Joao, again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we had a... (laughs) Like a short break last week when Jack was on, which is really great. But you're back. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Jack was great last week. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was, was nice sh- to get the suits in-house. Yeah, he was real great. <clears throat> a little too good. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit of competition there. Oh, yeah. No, I'm gonna, I have to crush it now. I'm just going to have to bring my A game. I don't have the flu anymore, which is nice. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. So I'm, I'm ready to go, man. What, what, are we, what are we talking about? Have you seen Cheers? I have just through you. I've seen. Oh right! I've watched you watch it, well, and you've shown me a couple episodes here. Yeah, there. definitely. And you're on the show because I usually like to get someone's opinion. Same with the Twin Peaks episode that we did. That you know you haven't seen the show as extensively as I have, mm-hmm. so it's nice to get that like fresh take. Yeah. Also, you were the only other guest that we could get on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I mean, yeah, I'm a little more familiar with Cheers than I was Twin Peaks. And this is a great evolution from the first TV episode that we did together because we did an episode on Chidi Anagonia mm-hmm. on The Good Place and Ted Danson is on that show. Yep. And now we're talking about Ted Danson again mm-hmm. on Cheers. And it's great because he, like Larry David to me, like struck gold twice with Cheers and The Good Place, which is like one of the best modern sitcoms of all time. And Larry David yep. did Seinfeld and uh, Curb. So. Yeah. And I know that this isn't a Ted Danson episode but I do have to say, I started Good Place before I was really familiar with Ted Danson. And after watching Good Place, I went back and I watched a couple episodes of Cheers with you. And he has such gravitas as an actor and he yeah. has this presence to him. I don't want to gush too much about Ted Danson. I'm sure that there will be other opportunities for us to do that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there will be plenty. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about the bar. I mean, just visually, did it strike any kind of chord with you? The dark set? Yeah. I feel like as a viewer of TV in 2019, I feel like it can be very easy to take a bar setting for granted, you know, which shows like How I Met Your Mother or Always Sunny. The bar is just kind of this very almost cliche place for a sitcom because it's easy, right? It's a place where you have constant action and your, you know, characters can interact with a bunch of people 
And it's just very easy to write jokes into a bar. But that being said, I think Cheers did it in a way that was, I think, groundbreaking, but also still very unique. You know, the the Cheers bar still looks extremely authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like you said, it's dark. You know? Yeah, it's an underground bar, actually. So there's not a lot of natural light at all. Right. So the set is primarily comprised of a bar, Sam's office, and the pool table. And they actually never left the bar during the entire first season. And while that comes with like its own set of risks, I really admire that. They really stuck to their guns there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like the office in the first season. I think they never left the office. Yeah. Right. And you just, you get very familiar with the space. Yeah, definitely. I think that's important to to set up kind of the limitations of the space and and it really, you can then focus on characters because you don't have to worry about keeping track of all these different locations. It's like, oh, okay, wait, whose house are we at now? Or where, where where are we? And it's just, it builds a lot of character into the setting because you just live in it for so long. Yeah. And it feels like a very real bar. Yeah. So it's lit like a bar would be, at least close to it. And there's yeah. often background chatter of people talking and those kind of touches make it feel very alive. Mm. Even when there's not a lot of action on screen and they're just talking, it sounds like or it feels like things are operating around them right? at all times of the day. Something that adds to this, you know, I keep saying dimly lit aesthetic, they shot it on film, wow. which is unique for its time because most sitcoms like that were, this was 83, were shot on tape. Wow. And I guess sort of the bar aesthetic backfired because the series finished 77th, which is dead last in the Nielsen ratings after the first season or the week it debuted. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like NBC was like losing money on it and Paramount offered to kind of take over, but they said they wanted to film it on tape because it would save them money, but they didn't like how it looked on tape. So wow. they kept filming it on film. That's really cool. And also the point you made about the background noise and, and the bar feeling alive. Yeah. It's risky. Yeah. You know, that's really risky. I think a lot of shows try to minimize the amount of, you know, stimuli. I know that, for example, Always Sunny in Philadelphia is single cam. Yeah. And and I know that they do try to light it like a bar and whatnot. But even then, you know, they, they barely ever have people in the bar. It always centers around the characters. And I do feel that about Cheers where there's this constant energy because it does feel like you're just catching these people at work right. while they're working. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's just like a peek into like a moment of the day. Right. And, you know, compared to a lot of the other famous sitcoms that were going on at the time, Full House, Golden Girls, Growing Pains, and then later on Seinfeld, mm-hmm. th- this looked completely different than any of those shows. They were all very brightly lit, mm-hmm. usually taking place. At, there were family shows taking place at a house. Whereas this wasn't, this was at a bar with not so great people and and it still worked. Not very family friendly, which again, that's another risk. Yeah. Even the setting itself is like inherently adult. Right. You know? And at the time they actually, because Sam Malone is, his character is an alcoholic and that's not a spoiler. They say that, you know, in the pilot episode, his character is always drinking water or coffee and that's kind of common practice for alcoholics to to always be drinking water or coffee like drink something yeah to fight that urge so that's a cool little like he's always drinking that and that's a nice detail but again not family friendly no Very not risky. at all <laughs> well the reason i brought that up was because they use cheers as 
promotion for like don't drink and drive nobody ever leaves the bar drunk oh wow and the show made a point to emphasize that so much in fact that they would often use characters from the show and and the show itself to sort of promote caution towards drunk driving wow so you brought this up earlier and i want to talk about it because there's constant movement on screen Mm -hmm. and it's always visually stimulating because there's always motion the characters are often multitasking yeah so immediately that always creates some kind of action of like sam's cleaning glasses or there's always something that is compelling or or visually dynamic while you're getting sort of info the way these live audience shows work is just a lot of dialogue a lot of characters talking to each other and shows that I love, I mean, How I Met Your Mother is also set in a bar, but they deliver their dialogue through, like, while they're just sitting down. Right. And it's very punchy. Cheers' dialogue, while ditzy, and it has more of a natural flow to it. And I don't think that works unless they're also doing something. Right. Yeah, I remember, obviously no spoilers, because I don't even remember the details, but he showed me an episode once where Ted Danson's character is kind of going back and forth with with someone. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so he has like his friends or the other characters of the show on one side of the bar. And the way that the bar is set up real quick is, you know, it's almost like a circular bar. Yep. Where there's not just one side to the bar. Ted Danson's character can move freely within the He's bar got, space. Yeah, he has a lot of range of motion there. Yeah. And so he has on one side of the bar, he has his friends. And then on the other side of the bar, it's like someone he's like beefing with. It's a rival bar. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess him going back and forth, he'll, you know, he'll say something to the guy on one side of the bar and then kind of come back and face the other people on the other side of the bar. And the jokes happen because of the motion too. And I feel like that's hard to do in multi-can sitcoms is having this physical comedy right work but in a in a very natural way you know it's not like three stooges comedy where it's you know slip on a banana peel right physical comedy it's just using space to yeah. the advantage of the joke absolutely know? the physical comedy's there and it's important when especially on this show you want to nail all of the characters mannerisms i said in the intro ted danson's really great with his hands yeah And you want to give the actors as much freedom as possible to perform. And inherently, the setting allows for an endless stream of guest characters. Yeah. So there's like a a carousel, kind of like a rotating door of just like the writers can try out any sort of supporting characters Mm -hmm. at any time and hide them under the veil of like, they're just new customers to the bar. Yeah. Which is kind of genius and a great sort of storytelling. Yeah, it's a tool. It, it's yeah, it's built into this into the space, into the setting, yeah. into the environment. And real quick, just to touch on what you said about, you know, for example, Ted Danson being really good at with his hands. I feel yeah. like the bar setting, you know, as a bartender, you're always gonna have to do something with your hands, whether yeah. it's cleaning glasses or wiping down a table. The sliding or, glasses down the bar. Right. Yeah. And so that's just really that's another way that I feel like the show takes advantage of its setting to emphasize the comedy. Absolutely. And, and there's a reason they're at a bar. Yeah. It's not just for the sake of, you they're know. They're going to a bar to hang out. Right. Like they work there. Right. And to the point of new characters being introduced, because the show is kind of on a weekly live audience basis, the writers can just write someone in, try that character out. And if they're a hit with the fans, they can bring them back next week or they can write mm. them in. Did that work? Did that happen? 
Yeah, there were several. Uh, there was a magician who kept coming back. Frazier started off as a supporting character. Wow. Ended up getting his own show. Right. And a lot of characters that, you know, if they leave, they can always kind of bring them back. Yeah. It sort of sets up endless guests for the mm-hmm. bar or if they need to hire a new employee, which Woody Harrelson came onto the scene later in the show's life cycle. So that's great. It really works. That's amazing. Genius. I also wanted to mention that the bar is also a place for recurring characters to flesh out their like off screen stories. Hmm. You know, people drink and talk at a bar. So like Norm has a wife that you never really see and they keep kind of amplifying who she is in like a ridiculous way, Mm -hmm. uh, but you never get to see her. I think you you hear her voice once, but yeah, Cliff has like ridiculous facts. He just kind of like talks out of his ass. He's hilarious, and like Carla has like a bunch of troublesome kids that actually end up visiting the bar. That's but great. there's that creative sort of freedom there with these characters, and yeah, they have this blank slate. Yeah, because everyone has home lives. You know, everyone has like yeah. a life outside of what you see on the show because these people don't live. Yeah, because I guess that's also another great point: is a lot of sitcoms take place at home. Yeah, so you see, you see what they can show. Right. I guess they're limited to that. Of like how of how they can tell this person's narrative, right? But when you're at a bar and that's the main, pl- they can just talk about it and mention whatever they want at any point, no matter how right. ridiculous it is. Yeah, because they yeah, you can just write what happened before and what happens after, and it's all believable because yeah. you don't ever have to you you don't ever see it. It's yeah. great. It's genius. And that's a great transition to sort of the last pillar of why the bar is so great for me is because just like the DNA and the crux of the show, while it offers a lot of character growth outside of the bar, um, it also allows for like infinite story possibilities. You said it, people can tell their stories from a past perspective of like, you know, they go to the bar at the end of the day, what happened that day or what happened before they arrived at the bar, they can act on something that's presently happening at the bar, or they can talk about what they're going to do in the future. So future problems that the characters have, Mm -hmm. drunkenly discussing it, but it covers the span of like past, present, and future. And it's such a blank slate for that kind of storytelling. Yeah, that's a great point. I remember one episode that you showed me, and obviously no spoilers. Obviously. I think the episode started with them drunkenly bragging about how, how brave they are. And I think someone's, you know, someone brings up skydiving and they all say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not scared of anything. I'll do it. And then that just kicks off the narrative to the whole episode. Yeah. And it's just, you can have this, <laughs> this episode's narrative be sparked by someone's drunken confidence. Yeah. And in no other setting does that work, you know? And, and not only does it work, but it, but it makes sense. Like that's completely it's a line of logic that you can follow from classic the masculinity like wild drunk just like guys trying to prove each other that's right. a classic trope yeah i love man see even yeah they were ahead of their time they knew that yeah you get the boys together <laughs> toxic, couple drinks yeah <laughs> toxic <laughs> masculinity is just like the the easiest butt of a joke yeah they knew i, I really i love that episode but there's something about that bar atmosphere that's inherently ridiculous because people in bars set up kind of their own rules. Right. Like they're just classic tropes. Whenever like Norm walks in after work, everyone yells like Norm. And he has to like, he comes in with a story or like Cliff has like some kind of a like weird fact or like the coach always says something ridiculous. Like Norm putting stuff on his tab that he's never going to pay. Right. Just like <laughs> these structures that 
Sam hitting on like women and like the guys like cheering him on or being, you know, if he like can't get a number or something, if he like doesn't score, like the guys like frown upon yeah, that. Toxic or, masculinity. It's man. that toxic they masculinity. Just... And it's seen as and written as something that's ridiculous. Right. But I feel like in no other environment is that because everyone's drinking and talking, like that's all very amplified and these like very remedial aspects of adulthood are just like amplified to a ridiculous comedic level. Yeah. And also they highlight the ugliest parts of society. Yeah. You know, and, and like we just, for example, the toxic masculinity, like in, in no other context is that a as easily accessible and yep. readily accessible yep. and B can be presented as something that's normalized. You know, if a, if a guy has a group of guys cheering him on while he tries to get a woman's phone number, that's kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's really gross. But in no other context is that so normal. Yeah, you know? definitely. And so it's because you have this environment that allows for these things to be satirized i feel like it's that much more effective when they do do it because yeah. you can follow this line of logic you know these are characters that represent something about humanity that is not necessarily de desirable yeah and the bar gives them that platform right to be that way and all interact with each other yeah and so i think i really think the more we talk about it the more it's obvious that this show is you know a very clear inspiration for a lot of shows after it you yeah. know like obviously we talked about always sunny we talked about how seinfeld came out after i know that seinfeld's like incredibly original and i would never like but seinfeld came out i think like four or five years after no seinfeld was 89 this mm. was 83 yeah i think like this primed people for like hey maybe not so likable protagonists like yeah in a likable way and a relatable way, because if we want to move away from the toxic masculinity and like if we're diving too much into it, because it was 83 and like, who knows, Sam's character is still very complex and they still use the bar to address a lot of other. He's an alcoholic, like, right. and he struggles with that on the show often. There was an unwritten episode about him finding out that a woman that he was with has like HIV, but the writer strikes happened. So that episode never came to fruition. That's like dark. That would that, have been crazy. That pushes the boundaries. He's a has been famous baseball player. Like how the like the psychological toll that that takes on him that, you know, he could have been like what he could have been and like living that it and now he like owns a bar and the bar is just right. his safe haven along with all of these other characters safe haven to be able to just like live and function and and vent. indulge also. Yeah. Indulge themselves in in what maybe outside of the bar makes them undesirable or makes them not great people. Like the bar gives them that space yeah, to coexist, I guess. And their love for the bar is so incredibly genuine. I mean, again, not spoiling anything, but the season, the series finale is very touching. And like, what does that mean? Like, what does love mean? And like chasing love and like what the bar means to you. Yeah. And if you really think about it, that's like the theme of cheers is togetherness and bringing people together mm -hmm. um, at, in this case, at Sam's bar. Yeah. So I guess the bar is a very complicated character in itself. Yeah. I've had very great life experiences at a bar and I've had really bad life experiences at a bar. Yeah. It just amplifies whatever's going on in my life. And right. that can be, it'd be easy to say that that's the drive of like alcohol, but 
it's the social environment. It's, you know, you get a bunch of people who have been through a bunch of shit at the end of the day, put them together and something happens. Yeah. And what happened on this show was that it was just like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It's genius. All right. Before we close out, let's get a little bit of a, I'm going to do two quick trivia. Okay. Even though that title still doesn't really apply, but two fun facts. Yeah. Okay. Fun fact trivias. Yeah. It's, um, and these are things that I found out today. Uh, the Boston bar that actually inspired Cheers was originally named Bull and Finch Pub. Doesn't really roll off the tongue. Not at all. <laughs> and I put that one in just because like, I feel like that's a cool factoid for anyone who either has seen Cheers or hasn't. But the real like fun fact was that after Ted Danton announced that he was leaving the series, NBC wanted to continue it by having Woody take over. But Woody Harrelson said, like, there's no way he's doing the series without Ted Danson. That's great. Shout out to Woody Harrelson. Yeah. He's great. He stays being like awesome. Yeah. Also, is the bar that it's based on still up? Is it still running? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. You can go as a, uh, I have friends who've They've gone recently. Yeah. Do they promote that? That they're the bar that Cheers is based on? Yes. Awesome. Genius. All right. Now some rapid fire cues. I think I'm ready, man. These I, aren't off the top of the head. I wrote these out. But it'll be off the top of the head for me. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess it doesn't really... Uh... Wait, you've always written yours out. Oh, yeah. So this is just a normal... All right, dude, just give me the questions. This first one's pretty cool. What occupation do you think Ted Danson does better, playing God or playing a bartender? Oh, wow. I think playing God allows him to also play a bartender at times. I'm gonna okay. say, yeah, I'm going to say God, because that kind of encompasses. And it. if you're the owner of a bar, you're technically God to all drunk people. Uh, yeah. I at the bar. <laughs> at that bar. But seeing him work behind that bar, it is like clockwork. Yeah. He is, in, he's got the towel yeah. on his waist. Like he, it's just like a, a master going to work or something. Yeah. And I feel like he uses a lot of that character in Good Place. Yeah. And just how he interacts with people is just very, you know, bartender behind a bar listening to people's problems. That's very true. And from a performance standpoint, this is slowly turning into a Ted Danson episode, but from a performance (laughs) standpoint, it reminds me of a singer playing both guitar and singing, Mm. you know, performing, remembering your lines, delivering your lines while cleaning a glass, filling something up, sliding something down a table. While doing something physical. While doing something. As an actor, that must be, those are really great skills to have. Yeah. and And I think that it can seem very natural, but I remember there was that, maybe we referenced the article, but the article that we were talking about when we did the Chidi episode, Yeah, I think it was in the New Yorker. We did reference, and if you're wondering what the article is, go check out the Chidi episode. It's the second episode (laughs) of the... No, but if you're wondering, we're talking about, the. uh, we did an episode on Good Place, so go check that out. Yeah. Nice plug, man. You're getting really good at this. Thanks, man. That was very instinctual of you tonight. Yeah, I just... (laughs) I don't know if it's a good thing. It sounds so... uh, Yeah, it's self-promotional. It's great. Yeah. It's really, it's a valuable skill to have. But I think, um, yeah, in that article, they mentioned how he practices all of those hand movements. Yep. When he's going over lines, he also goes over what he's going to do physically. And it, I mean, it comes across so naturally, you wouldn't even think that. But yeah. Shout out Ted. Yeah. The second question is, uh, what happened the last time you were at a bar? Do you remember? Hmm. I don't remember the last. Oh, wait, no, I was with you. The last time we were at the bar, we were like in the Lower East Side and we met with a couple friends um, and we were going to eat somewhere. Oh, yeah. Remember this? Yeah, I do remember that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was just like, it was very representative of what I do at bars now as a 28-year-old homebody. 
Yeah. Which is find a stool, sit down, and people watch. I think <laughs> I think that's all I did. Or meet at a bar to go somewhere else. Right. Like, yeah. Right. I'm just very bad at... I Like, bar etiquette for me is still something that I have no idea. I, I cannot grasp. Like, even just getting the bartender's attention, I feel like a fool. Yeah. Because I'm just like... Uh, like excuse me excuse me yeah yeah and and it just feel, it doesn't feel good in <laughs> i 20, just feel so out of control in 2019 if you're just a bar man you got to step it up Our, <laughs> you know like i go my favorite bar right now quote-unquote bar is also a bar with like shuffleboard it's it's really just oh, yeah. a shuffleboard place yeah and a place where you can play uno and board games yeah. and then you can also drink like and barcades have come like there's so many right. different ways to consume alcohol in a social setting the ski ball ski bar ball. that we went yeah. to one time yeah you're right dude i mean there's a place for it there's like a very romantic nostalgic element to like you know hole in the wall bars that are yeah. just like dive bars dive bars yeah, dive bars are great yeah yeah there is a nostalgia element to dive bars that i feel like i definitely appreciate i'm just not good at going to bars yeah. i've never been good by the way this is a free topic for jack and kev on their pros and cons show i would love to know what they think of bars too mm-hmm. there you go plugged another show just like firing on all cylinders today <laughs> really good work bro and the last question is what does a live audience multicam sitcom have to do in 2019 to be successful hmm. not a lot of them out there right now we've got uh Big Bang Theory is on its final season at the time of this recording mm-hmm. there's also two and a half men is that still going? Not sure, which is indicative of <laughs> the state of that show. Could do very easy research, but I want to keep that bit in. Yeah. Of like... <laughs> yeah, just really not knowing. I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to do something creative with the plot. Or it's just very hard to have a show where the plot is just, you know, like home life or something. And I thought you'd answer differently because of the theme of this episode. But my approach to that answer would be like the setting. Yeah. I think Cheers did a great job of making a bar work. Yeah. On a multicam. I want to see someone else be like, no, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. Find a way to bring it over to 2019. It's also kind of weird seeing like HD. Right. Multicam, right? Like, yeah. It feels too, it's almost like too pristine. It's strange. Yeah. I know that Netflix just recently had a pretty cool multicam show get canceled. Yes, they did. Uh, one day at a time. Didn't really do anything groundbreaking with the setting necessarily, but the story they were telling was unique and, and it was something, it, you know. And fresh and culturally yeah. different. It was a Cuban-American family. Right. And that in itself, the, the representation there was, yeah. it just goes to show how little of it we get for that medium. Right. That seeing it like that was like refreshing enough. Yeah. How is it the first time that that's ever been, <laughs> that there's Successfully, been a Yeah. It's and it's as Cuban American children, you and I coming from, we're first generation Cuban American, so yeah. like seeing that show is just very refreshing. You know, to hear them speak a certain way and to allude to certain things, certain cultural things, and that show. I mean, I mean, it got canceled, so maybe it. But it's got a huge cult following, yeah. and it can get picked up from another network. Yeah, and I don't think that the show did anything unique narratively speaking or you know environmentally speaking but i think the characters on the show were unique so to answer your question i think just having a unique element to your show whether that be the narrative or the setting or the people that are being portrayed or the stories that are being told you know like 
Or even the narrative form. So, for example, you know, How I Met Your Mother was single cam. How I Met Your Mother was multi-cam. Multi-cam. multicam. And they were the first to, like, play with time travel. Yeah, incredible. In front of a live audience. Yeah, it's absolutely. that show. What that show, that is a separate episode in itself, but what that show did for modern, it pushed the boundaries of live audience it comes. Right. So, and they did it exactly that. I think that they did. They, they had a fresh take on the medium. And I think that you just have to, there's just, we're so oversaturated. Now, there are so many ways to watch TV yeah. and so many different shows that it's impossible to stand out unless, or even to succeed unless you do something unique. For the record, How I Met Your Mother mixed a lot of multicam production with several single camera elements. So they would do, the show was multicam, but they would like cut to single cam pieces. Yeah, and it actually features a laugh track, but did not shoot in front of a live audience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. I'm just now reading that. I didn't know that. Wow. Really good work researching on the spot. Really good stuff, man. Thanks, man. Dude, thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. Honestly, this is, it feels like home. It, feel, it felt weird not doing it last week. Yeah. <laughs> so it, felt, it feels really good to be back. Anytime. Unless, you know, you're not. <laughs> unless there's <laughs> unless, another. <laughs> unless not. Right. Where can people find your stuff? You can find me online, like Twitter and Instagram, just and Spotify and all that stuff. Uh, soft glass that's my name s-o-f-t-g-l-a-s awesome man thank you so much thanks for having me bro that was this week's show if you like what you hear please subscribe you can hear new episodes of seymour every week on tuesdays on apple podcasts and spotify and remember seymour is just one of many shows that cesspool has to offer For more info, visit cesspoolnetwork.com to see our full weekly lineup or follow at cesspoolnetwork on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally on Twitter at juan underscore chirps, on Instagram at juan underscore snaps, or follow what I watch on Letterboxd at juan gonzalez. See you next week.